in a series, bringing a series to conclusion next week, but getting ready for that, we're talking about the survival's guide, survivor's guide to the end of the world. And we're going to talk about today how the Lord has revealed through what Jesus did in his first coming to the earth, how he has fulfilled a pattern that is set up in Leviticus 23. So if you will, go ahead and turn, get in your Bibles and go to Leviticus 23. And we're going to see how the Lord has given us, given us a time frame or a timetable that we might be able to look at. We're going to be able to look how the first feasts, the spring feasts, have already been fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. Then we're going to turn over and look at the fall feasts and see how those will be fulfilled when the Lord returns the second time. But he, he has given us this timetable in Leviticus 23. Uh, if you've missed any of the uh, teachings we've done in this series, you can go to hamlinbaptist.com and in that in the website there you can find the, the, the sermons or the teachings we've done. We talk about the signs of the end when we looked at Matthew 24 and related scriptures, how there we can identify the birth pains, as Jesus put it, about when the Lord was going to soon return. We see most of them already fulfilled. We talked about the rapture or the calling out of the church, of the body of Christ, caught up to, be, to meet the Lord in the air. We talked about that. We talked about the man of lawlessness, that's going to be coming on the scene on a worldwide uh, global uh, plan. How this uh, man of lawlessness will be the Antichrist. And how he will function. We talked about that on the third week. Then la the, two weeks ago we talked about the great deception. That there is coming a deception upon the earth. That it says that even the elect, if it were possible, would be drawn away by this deception. And so we looked at some of those possibilities. So we want to look today at a road map looking at the feasts and the festivals of God in Leviticus 23. Uh, the early church was steeped full of Judaism. The followers of Jesus Christ in the early church were, a lot of them were Jewish converts to follow the way of Jesus. Others were Gentile, Greek, Romans who came to follow the Lord. But the early part of the church was filled with the feasts, the festivals, the, the Jewish tradition. They knew it well. And then in the time of Constantine, <clears throat> around 306 in Rome, when he, was, when he was the ruler of Rome, Constantine wanted to try to amalgamate, if you will, the Roman worship of plural gods and tried to marry that to Christianity. And in doing so, at that particular time, all of the Jewish background of Christianity was pretty much removed. And he added some pagan uh, elements to, to the Christian worship at that time. But what I wanted you to know, from the early days, the Jewish folks and those coming to know Jesus had a full understanding of these festivals, feasts, we may not know those quite as well because I don't know that we practice them or celebrate them as designed in Scripture. 
But in that day, it was very uh, common for them to have this understanding. We're going to look at seven. We're going to just briefly look at each of them. But in this passage, we're going to read together in Leviticus. We're going to talk about the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So we can't spend much time on them because there are seven. We just want to hit and show you how the Lord fulfilled them in his first coming and will fulfill the fall feasts in his second coming. So if you have your Bibles at Leviticus 23, I want to give you one more verse before we read that. Paul wrote this in Colossians. It's a very important passage in Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Listen carefully. Therefore, and he's, retur- he's talking about the victory that Jesus brought by his death on the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival. These are the feasts and festivals. A new moon celebration, which... The Jewish calendar is based on the moon, where our current calendar, Greek calendar, is based on solar or the sun. Theirs was based on the moon. So he says, don't let anybody judge you regarding a festival, a moon, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. He's talking about the feasts of God. These are a shadow of the things that were or are to come. He's talking about these feasts and festivals are a shadow of the things that were or are to come into our future. And I want us to look at these feasts. I want to, here's how we're going to try to look at it. We're going to read these, read these, and then look at how the Old Testament taught these. We're going to look at how Jesus fulfilled them, the, the spring festivals. And then we're going to talk about the fall festivals that are coming up and will be fulfilled in our future with the coming of Jesus Christ the second time. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Leviticus. Uh, I'm going to jump around some. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but can you stand? I like to honor the Word. I'm going to start in verse 4, and I'll tell you where I, because I'm leaving out some of the details of each of the festivals just to give you an idea of what the feasts are. I'm going to start in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts. These are God's feasts. The appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Now jump to verse 4. There are, these are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. Five, verse five. The Lord, the Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day or the next day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. And that goes for seven days. You must eat bread made without yeast. Skip down to verse nine. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. And he's to wave that sheaf before the Lord and so it will be accepted 
on your behalf. So it's, there is a feast of first fruits. Go to verse 15. Now we're at the feast of weeks. We know it as Pentecost. From that day after the Sabbath, the de- Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks, count off 50 days up to the day of the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. So we have Pentecost. Let's jump down to verse 23. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. That is the feast of trumpets in the fall. Another fall event is the Day of Atonement, verse 26. The Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do not work on that day because it is the Day of Atonement which atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Jump to verse 33. Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins and it lasts for seven days. And then verse 37 says, These are the Lord's appointed feasts, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord. Lord, we just ask you today to give us insight as you have laid out a roadmap for us. I pray, Lord, that it would give us clarity about what you've done, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus is going to do as we look to your plan to direct our life. Lord, let your spirit lead us into your truth, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to start, I'm going to spend a, just a short time because I'm, a, I'm aware of time, so I want us to hit them pretty quickly. And if there's some notes on your note sheet. Catch that. I put scriptures on there for you can do follow-up research on this. But the Feast of Passover is a spring feast. In 2018, it will be March the 30th. So we're coming up on what would be known as the Feast of Passover. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was... The first month of the Jewish years, when the new year began. And a lamb, if you remember the story of Exodus chapter 12, it was fulfilled in the Old Testament. What happened is the Lord told Israel in bondage in Egypt that, they were, that there was going to be a judgment come upon the land. A death angel was going to come and was going to take the firstborn of every home And the only way you found redemption from that judgment was to take an unblemished lamb. It was to be slaughtered. The blood that that came from the lamb was to be put on a, like a hyssop or like a brush. And you were to take the blood of that lamb, paint it on the lentils, the doorposts and the lentil of your house. The instruction was that as the death angel comes over Egypt in judgment, if you will take this action, your home will be protected from death. And so that was the first Passover. Now, we know that 
we can come forward a bit to the New Testament, and Jesus fulfilled Passover. The week of Passover was when Jesus came triumphantly into Jerusalem. Remember, he came in riding on a donkey. They put the palm branches down for him to ride in as the king. And so he started the day, uh, the week, in a great celebration of who he was. And he ended the week with his crucifixion and rejection by man. That all was in the week of Passover. So Jesus became the lamb, the spotless lamb that was killed. And then what he offers for us today is if we take that blood of the lamb, Jesus, paint it over our life by faith, we say, Lord Jesus, give me that covering. Then if you have that, then there will be future judgments coming but you will be passed over. You're going to be under the protection, under the blood covenant of God himself. So it was fulfilled the week of Passover, the week of celebration of the Lord that ends in his crucifixion. Matthew 22, 26.2 says, The Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. So we see that it affects that same time. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. For Jesus, or Christ, is our Passover. He is the sacrifice for us. In Romans 3, he wrote this, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness from God came through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So this first feast that Leviticus talks about, a feast of God, was totally fulfilled in Jesus. And he became the, the lamb that was slain for us. Let's look at the second, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This year, it'll be March the 31st through April the 7th. It is a seven-day feast. <clears throat> it is a continuation of Passover. If you'll remember this story, they were to go through their house clean out all of their cabinets that, have, that had any element of yeast that they would use to make their bread. They were to clean out. The Jewish people would do a total spring cleaning, get rid of all yeast. They would sweep their house, and they were to live the next several days on bread that had no leaven, or it would have been a flat loaf of bread. So it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And Jesus became that for us. If you'll remember, he provided the cleansing because yeast, we found out later through teaching, represents sin. That if you get a little bit of yeast into the mix of your life, that it spreads throughout. And so when Jesus came, remember what he did. He cleansed us of all unrighteousness, of sin. He cleansed us and that, that's how he fulfilled it and he removed our sin. Remember when Jesus said, I am the bread of life in John 6. Now, how does this affect us today? <clears throat> Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that's self-effort and sin, that you may be a new lump of a dough as you are unleavened. For Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. Let, therefore, let us keep the feast 
Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. But here's what he's talking about unleavened looks like. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Honest hearts based upon the truth of God's word. So we have those two spring feasts are already fulfilled in Jesus. The third one, feast of first fruits. That's spring, April 1st this year is the feast of first fruits. In Leviticus, it says, when you enter the land, that taking you into the promised land, I'm going to give you, I, you're going to reap a harvest at a time. You didn't plant this, you're going to reap a harvest. You're to bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. This is three days past Passover. Jesus fulfilled that. Think about that just a moment. How did he fulfill first fruits? Three days after crucifixion, something happened, right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Feast of First Fruits. He was the first to overcome death. But you say, well, what about Lazarus? Well, Lazarus died again, right? Jesus came back to life. He never dies again, never will die. He's the first fruit from the dead. <clears throat> so, Matthew 28, it was on the first day after the Sabbath that occurred in the midst of the Passover celebration that Jesus rose from the dead. He fulfilled this exactly on the feast of first fruits. How's that affect us today? I know it's kind of a big survey. I hope you're staying with me. How does this affect us today? This removes the fear of death. I hope you don't have a fear of death. Why? Because the Lord says death is swallowed up in victory by what he did on the cross. Death is swallowed up. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, I, don't, I personally don't believe you experience death. It's already paid for. I believe you go from this life immediately to full life in the presence of God. So I, that's, that's how it was fulfilled. This is how it's going to look like. Paul wrote it in 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's a euphemism for dying. Or to grieve like the rest of men when somebody dies. We do grieve because, man, it hurts. When we lost somebody we love. But we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Our grief is for the separation that's going to be for a period of time. But we have the hope that in a few days we're going to be back together with those that are gone. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word. We tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and then the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What is that talking about? Resurrection. First fruits. Jesus overcame, fulfilled first fruits, and he, he's providing that for us. We're going to have a resurrection in our future. It's going to be a great thing. You ever had that dream of seeing bodies bust out of the ground? And then it 
And then in a very short time, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that in that, in that moment, you're changed. What are you changed into? You're changed into the body that God has created for our future with him back on earth. It's a little weird. On Easter Sunday, I'm going to talk about what is heaven from a biblical perspective. I want you to come and hear what this thing is that he's, he's developing that's going to happen. It's going to be a part of our future. It's going to be, it's pretty awesome. All right, we're on the fourth one, Feast of Pentecost. This is the spring also. It will be this year on May 20th. And it's 50 days exactly past Passover. <clears throat> it's the celebration of the completion of the spring harvest. Exodus 23, 16 says, Also you shall observe the feast of the harvest of the firstfruits of all your labors from what you sow, sow in the field. Pentecost is always a time of birth, of something new being established. For example, the nation of Israel was birthed on this celebration day 4,000 years ago when uh, Moses met with God on Mount Sinai. That happened at this feast day, on this feast time. And that's when he gave the Ten Commandments. Something was birthed, Israel was birthed on that mountain that day. Marks the day of that beginning. How was it fulfilled in the New Testament? I think you know it if you've read Acts chapter 2. It was fulfilled in Jesus, then Acts 2, the church of Jesus, the church was birthed at Pentecost. The same time, 2,000 years ago, 120 Jews uh, were, who were followers of Jesus were waiting for him in a room. And it says that the Holy Spirit came and filled those people with the power of the Spirit. The first time that we know of the Spirit coming and indwelling people happened at Pentecost. And it birthed the church. So that was fulfilled in the spring. And we're thankful that it did. How does that affect us today? Jesus is right now and has been for these 2,000 plus years. Preparing a bride. The bride of Christ. The church. It'll be made up of hundreds of thousands or millions and Millions of people around the planet who have heard the message of Jesus by faith ask him to forgive them and to cleanse them and take over their life. And they're making up this body, the church, the bride of Christ. And that's what's happening in our day. This, the spirit coming is filling every person who will come by faith and receive him into their life. What does that do to us? It means that you are called, filled by the spirit not just forgiven by the blood, but filled and empowered by the Spirit of God within you to be a member, a part of this body of Christ. You say, well, I'm not that big. I don't have that much to give. It doesn't matter. He made you. And if you came to him, he filled you. And if he filled you, he has called you to function within the body of Christ in whatever way that he's designed. And as you're doing that, you are fulfilling your calling in this day. What about this? How does it affect us today? Well, when we come in here and we worship, what are we, what are we thanking God for? Talk to me. What are we thanking God for? Forgiving us. God, thank you for forgiving me. The chief of sinners. 
How could you? And But we celebrate. Why do we come to worship? Praise the Lord Jesus for what he did for us. We celebrate, and that's all by the Spirit of God within us. By the Spirit within us, we serve others. Do you know, do you know what the highest level of ministry is in the body of Christ? You know the most important role in the church? Is it the preacher? No. The greatest position of ministry is the greatest position of service. Remember what Jesus taught us? He said, now, guys, I'm going to teach you how to do spiritual leadership. Took, out his, took off his outer garment, wrapped it around himself, got down on his knees, and he washed their feet. That's not how the world teaches you to lead, but that's how you lead in the kingdom. The greatest of the kingdom is the servant of all. So interesting how the Spirit is doing that work. All right, now we're shifting to the fall. Going quick, shifting to the fall. This, is, this year will be on September the 10th, 2018. It's called Rosh Hashanah or the Jewish New Year. And it was fulfilled when God created the heavens and the earth. It was on this day that Jewish tradition believes that God spoke and created everything there was. It was on this day of the celebration. It's also called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Numbers 29 says that it established it on the first day of the seventh month of the new moon, which I don't know that any of us know that. I, you could probably figure it out, but we do know it's in September. We had a foreshadowing of this in the Old Testament. Remember when Joshua went into the, took the Jewish people into the land to conquer it, and they, the first city they came up against was Jericho. You remember the story? You remember what they did? They marched seven days. They blew trumpets. And on the seventh day, they blew the trumpet again, and the walls fell. Well, this is going to be fulfilled into our future. These same trumpets that bring relief, rest, victory will be the blowing of these trumpets into our future. It represents a day of victory and completion. All right, this is the next, I believe this is the next event coming on God's timetable. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Hear it? For the trumpet will sound, the dead will raise, be raised imperishable. That means this perishable body is going to be raised in a form that will not be perishable. Will not have flu, influenza A, B, C, D, and E. It will, have, it will not have the diseases that ravage these old bodies. The new body is going to be a, a magnificent creation. And I tell everybody, mine's going to have a whole lot of hair. In the Lord's humor, it'll probably be out of my ears. Uh, here's how it was fulfilled. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. The mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal will with immortality, then the saying is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Amen. Aren't you looking forward to that? If you're fighting... These old broken bodies, 
It's going to be good to not fight that. If, you've, if you're grieving for the loss of those you love, it's going to be so good there's no grief because there's going to be a time of everybody's coming back, reuniting. What a great celebration that's going to be. The calling out of the church. God continues this plan of major events on festival days. And as we look at these into the fall, you'll see it. Matthew 24 says, with a loud trumpet call of God. In 1 Thessalonians 4, with a trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. You understand that there are seven trumpets. And I told you a few weeks ago, some theologians believe that five of the trumpets may have already sounded. And if it were be so, the sixth trumpet is going to be a very uh, massive, potentially World War III type of thing because it says one-third of the earth's population perishes in that one, in that event. For us today, with the numbers that, uh, that inhabit the planet, it'd be a 2.2 billion people would be, if we lost that many people of the earth, would be a potential of this sixth trumpet which may be coming next. I don't know that for sure, but uh, some believe that that may be where we are in the process. Let's look at number six, the Day of Atonement. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Stay with me. The Day of Atonement. This is also fall, September 18 through 19 of this year. On the Day of Atonement, uh, was a high, the highest holy day of Israel, the priest would go through ritual cleansing spiritual cleansing they would put on him the vestiges of the high priest very holy day remember they would tie bells around the hems of his garment they would also tie a rope around one of his ankles because on this one day he would walk into the holy of holies the very presence of God and there offer a sacrifice or a blood sacrifice for the atonement of sin. And atonement means the covering of sin. Israel's sin was covered just on an annual basis. But when Jesus came in the New Testament, he changed it from atonement to restoration. A full acquittal, the removal of sin. When, the, when we receive the blood of Christ, it takes away our sin. He says he casts it as far as the east is, from the west it is cast to the depths of the sea to where he will remember it against you no more and everybody said amen to that the day of atonement I believe that probably this may mark the day if it is look at September of whatever year that is that the day of atonement will be the beginning of the judgment of God or the time of the tribulation. I believe that is when this will be fulfilled as we come to that season. Matthew said it like this to the Jews, to those living in Israel. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea, which is Jerusalem, flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out of the house. When this occurs, he says, you run and get out because the judgment is going is to begin to hit. 
And if it follows the pattern of God, this will be a fall or a September event of that year, whenever that occurs. The last one, the Feast of Tabernacles. Also is fall, September 23 through 30 of this year. This feast begins five days after the Day of Atonement. It's a, this is a great joyful celebration of God's harvest provision. It is a great time where the, where the Israelites would gather. It would be a huge community party. It would be a time of rest and of celebration. I believe this is the day, because if you talk about tabernacle, you know when Jesus came, it says that he tabernacled with us. In other words, he took on flesh and dwelt with us. I believe this is the second coming of Jesus. When he comes to the earth to inhabit, to tabernacle with us. And that will begin the millennial reign of Christ. If he follows the, the feasts like he did in the spring and follows them like they are in the fall, then we might look at that at the mid-latter part of September of the year that this occurs. So, interesting. I'm going to go back and read a verse that Paul wrote at the beginning of this. And he said this. Therefore, because of Christ's victory, don't let anybody judge you about whether you eat or you drink or you don't, or regardless of a festival or of a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These, this is what I want you to hear. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. So just a concept that for I wanted you to get today. If God follows his feast festival plan, the first four have been completed. The last three of the fall will be completed when the Lord returns again. Something for you to put into your study. And I've given you on that note sheet a lot of scriptures. I'd love for you to take that this week and see what, see what that says to you as you study through that. What are we to do? I'm going to close. Vicki, come ahead. What are we to do? Probably the whole purpose of this series is this, that we wake up, that the church wakes up. It's easy to get, uh, to have the bias of normal, that we believe everything is the same, it will continue the same. It's been 2,000 years, it's just going to keep going and on and going. But the Lord says, you've seen, I've given you signs so that you can wake up. And you remember the, uh, the virgin's who were waiting for the return of the groom. Remember that story in scripture? And they said, you know, you, we got to get our stuff together. We got to get oil and put it in our lamps so that when the bridegroom comes and he says, you don't ever know when that's going to happen, you better have your lamp full of oil so that you're ready to go. And that's the illustration here. What, what are we to do? Make sure you, your vessel, your lamp, is full of oil, which is the Holy Spirit. Make sure you're, you're filled right with Him and ready for His return. It's important that there, you make, each of us make personal preparation. Second thing is, guys, we got to uh, figure out a way to start sharing the Lord Jesus with the people around us. I know we don't a lot, and I know it, we have all the reasons not to. Culturally, it's not acceptable. You know, and all politically, it's not acceptable. 
But when, I'm going to do that series on Easter and the Sunday after. We're going to talk about what heaven is, and we're going to talk about what hell is. And both of them will motivate you severely to go after everybody you know. Because you don't want them to miss what's coming in this amazing heaven. But you want people to miss their rejection of Jesus that will send them to a place separated from God for eternity called hell. I guess what I'm saying is it's, we got to pray. And I'd like to ask you to join me and begin to pray this on a daily basis. Lord, I don't know how, I'm kind of afraid to or whatever my reason, but God, please do a work in me that causes me to have a broken heart for those that are lost. Give me an opportunity to build relationships with lost people. It's easy us in the church to get all of our relationships inside the church, and it's awesome. But if that's all we have, then we're ineffective in a lost world. 